This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Hello and welcome to this Behind the Story podcast from the South China Morning Post. My name is James Legg and normally I'm sitting with the copy editors in the part of our office we call the Hong Kong desk. But today I've pretty much got the day off. It's a very quiet day today. Actually, tomorrow is one of the few days of the year that we don't publish a newspaper. So what's normally a bustling newsroom with a couple of hundred journalists is today a skeleton crew of about a dozen or so people. Before we go any further, let's clear one thing up. Is it Chinese New Year? Is it Lunar New Year? Well, this comes down to something that we in the newspaper business call house style. Every newspaper has one, well, the good ones, and it defines our language. What do we call certain things so that we are consistent across the board? Is it football or soccer? Is it Washington or Washington, D.C.? Do Taiwanese names have hyphens in them? If you're listening in the USA, you might always be talking about Chinese New Year. In fact, we've checked on Google and that is exactly what Americans do. But let me explain why we call it Lunar New Year here at the South China Morning Post as the oldest English language newspaper in southern China. Firstly, there's no Chinese word for Chinese New Year. It's known as Chunjie in Mandarin, which means spring festival. And secondly, people in Vietnam, South Korea, North Korea, Japan, all celebrate the same date as us here in Hong Kong and across the rest of China. And they don't call it Chinese New Year either. Nor do the people of Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines, or anywhere else across Asia who celebrate this holiday. We've covered Lunar New Year for the past 115 years here at the South China Morning Post. Actually, the first year of the pig covered by this newspaper was in 1911, which was a pretty big year for news in Hong Kong, what with the abdication of the child emperor and the end of millennia of dynastic rule in China. This year, I'm going to introduce you to some of the modern-day journalists covering the Year of the Pig here in our office and show you it's a lot more than just fireworks, lion dances, and feasts. I'm going to be talking to four journalists from across the South China Morning Post, and their stories begin in Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur, Taiwan, and mainland China. And we'll talk about what are the big stories around this time of the Lunar New Year as we enter the Year of the Pig. With me now is Benice Chan, who's not only one of our senior journalists on the Culture Desk, but she was a presenter of our fabulous Inside China podcast on dumplings and the co-host of SCMP's podcast about food, eat, drink, Asia. Hello, Benice. Hello. Now, people overseas will have seen this. You know, every, every year you kind of get the same old stories, things that come around and we have to talk about the Lunar New Year. You've got things like the fireworks over Victoria Harbor. Can you tell me about the other kinds of news stories that... You know, you, you've done this a few times, but what, what are the staple Lunar New Year stories in Hong Kong? Well, today is the last day of the Year of the Dog. It is. And everyone, except us, is out there right now getting ready for the Year of the Pig. And they're buying a lot of food. They're buying a lot of ingredients to cook at home tonight because tonight is kind of like Chinese New Year slash Thanksgiving. Everyone comes home for dinner. And then they kind of wait till midnight for the year of the pig to start. Um, and then some people like to go to Victoria Park where they have the uh, flower market right now. And, you know, you don't just buy flowers. I mean, you 
there's people who buy kumquats and they buy peach blossoms and um, a lot of people buy orchids as well. And then you can also buy snacks. So it's kind of ha has this festival, fair, bazaar kind of feel. Um, and then it's also an opportunity for political parties in Hong Kong to use this place as a platform to do fundraising as well. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, and I hear it got a little political this year, even more political than intended. So, of course, these uh, political parties, they need to have some products to sell if they want to raise money, right? They don't just get donations. So they try to do political satire kind of merchandise, and some of them poke fun at leaders, like in our case, Chief Executive Carrie Lam. And um, the cheapest place to get them done is in the mainland, right? So they try to go. They tried to go there this time. One political party, Demostisto, tried to get their stuff made there, and the manufacturer said, "Sorry, this is politically sensitive. We're not making it for you." And I guess they said, "Well, that's the point. It's supposed to be politically sensitive." <laughs> that's right. So now we're not just writing about stories about, you know, what's happening at the festival this year, at the flower market this year, but also how censorship is creeping into Chinese New Year festivities. Okay, so I'm looking at the image here on the offending, it was a tote bag, I believe, the um, yep. merchandise in question. It's kind of got a cartoon pig holding a coffee cup, and it has several what kind of look like udders, and it says, don't be a Kong pig. I don't understand what's created this controversy. I believe it was something to do with the logo of the political party. That's right. The manufacturer didn't want to print Demostisto. Like, they didn't want to be caught being the ones kind of helping a party that's promoting democracy, um, you know, print something like that. And what about in past years? What are the kind of controversial merchandise have you seen at these things? Well, one of the most memorable ones is our previous chief executive, Leung Chen Ying, and there was toilet paper with his face on it. <laughs> now, that's not subtle. Definitely not. <laughs> but it was sold. And so that was okay. They sold that. No one had a problem. No, there was controversy about that, but they somehow managed to get another manufacturer to do it. That's what you got to do. Shop around. And so what else? What other stories do you see every year? There's always a must to have clean, fresh, crisp bills in your lycee packets. So this is the gift that people give, the little red envelopes, which you give to like relatives or employees, which have uh, an amount of money in them. And you're telling me that it has to be, what? why does it have to be so crisp? Wouldn't you want to receive a crisp, clean bill? It's not something I ever considered, but no, you're right. I, maybe I don't want a, a raggedy old, like one of those things that's been in circulation for 10 years. So people have to go out of their way to get their hands on these. That's right. So there was a day last week where tons of people were lining up in front of banks before they opened just to get these crisp, clean bills. Fresh from the, the mint. What kind of bill? What denomination are we talking here? We're talking 10, 20, 50, 100, even 500 So 500 bills. would be around, what, 50 US dollars? 500. Uh, let me see. Yes. Roughly. <laughs> just for our, just for our, you know listeners who aren't in Hong Kong at the moment. So if you're really really special, you're gonna get a five hundred dollar bill in your Lacy packet. That would be excellent. If any any listeners who feel like they've really enjoyed this podcast can um... donate to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what have you been working on personally this year? So um, usually a lot of the hotels and restaurants they have a lot of uh, new flavors for Chinese New Year puddings. It's um, glutinous rice flour mixed with a bit of coconut, and it's usually pan-fried. 
And uh, a lot of the hotels, they usually come up with new flavors. And this year, there was one with boba pearls, like milk tea pearls in it, which was very interesting. Um, But I wanted to do something a bit different. There's a lot of Western bakeries that are getting in on Chinese New Year as well. And so some of them have come up with interesting or fun Chinese New Year cakes, Western-style cakes. And uh, I tried one recently, which was a beautiful, delicious yuzu, citrusy kind of cake. And it was packaged like a mandarin orange. So it looked like a mandarin orange. And you cut it open and it's a cake. And was it delicious? So good. And where did you get that? That was from Sweet Fashion House. And it's in Causeway Bay. Yeah. And then there's some other ones like um, Miss B's Bakery. They have these cute little tiny taster cake so one person and it has this cute little dotted pig on top yeah and was it is that also delicious or i didn't get a chance to try that one okay so talking about more substantial food what are people going to eat with their families when they get together for the lunar new year is there going to be it's the year of the pig so is there going to be more pork on the menu not necessarily there are some families who are going to splash out and have a whole roast pig Um, Or if not, they're just going to have a portion of it. That's fine. Um, But they're definitely going to have a whole fish, whole steamed fish. They're going to have a whole chicken as well. Um, Dried oysters, um, black sea moss. These are all kind of auspicious sounding kind of dishes. That's why you want to eat them. For good luck going into the new. Good luck, prosperity. Hopefully you'll get better grades or a job promotion, that kind of thing. Sounds like a lot of pressure to put on one meal, but fair enough. Okay. And did I see you waking on a fireworks story this morning? That's right. Um, you know, every year, second day of Chinese New Year, there's always a massive fireworks display all over Victoria Harbor. They usually have four of those, um, what do you call them? Stages where they set off the fireworks. Like a pontoon in the middle of the harbor. Barges, barges. That's what they are, barges. And um, so everyone's always looking for the newest or best venue that they can find. So I suggested a few new places because in Harbor City, which is a shopping mall in Chimsa Choi in Kowloon, there is a new extension to this shopping mall and there's some restaurants there. So some people can go out there and dine and watch the fireworks at the same time. That sounds brilliant. That sounds like you get a very good view over the whole harbor. Where else? Is there like a left field kind of option here? So if you really want to have a really nice view, it's better to watch it from the Kowloon side so you can see all the nice buildings on Hong Kong Island. Um, But if not, just grab whatever spot that you can get and go there as early as you can to wait and, and grab your spot. Definitely get there early. Every year, every newspaper tries to come up with these ideas of how can we talk about the Zodiac animals, so like last year we had stories about dogs, this year we had stories about pigs. Who really brought home the bacon with the best? So that has to be my colleague Lauren James. And she was looking around music-wise, because she's she covers more of the music scene in Hong Kong and the region. And she found this this man, this this man in China, who has a band called Pig Cage. And basically he is he does heavy metal music. And the lead singer is a pig. What? You don't mean a person born in the year of the pig. You mean a literal pig? Yeah, you can hear pigs squealing in the song. That sounds amazing. Should we listen?
Okay, so not music to everyone's taste. Is there a little bit more backstory to this? Yes, there is. So basically, he uses the pig as his front man because he really does not, he's using that as a way to express his displeasure against the Chinese government. So he said, I hate the government, but I love the country. I use metaphors in my music to express my ideas about wanting to change the government through presenting two opposite sides. Sometimes I'm the butcher, but sometimes I'm also the victim. I didn't get that from the song, but you know, okay. Uh, Okay, so listeners, if you want to find out more about the band, whose name is Pig Cage, by the way, then I'm sure you can find that on scmp.com. Go give it a read. Benice, I know you're very busy. You probably want to get out of work early today, go and start your Lunar New Year. Do you have any plans, special plans for Lunar New Year? Yes, I'm going to be doing a lot of eating with relatives. Sounds perfect. Yeah. Enjoy. Thank you. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year to you. Okay, so I'm here with Tashni Sukumaran, Malaysia correspondent for the South China Morning Post. Now, Tashni, Malaysia is a country whose population is more than a fifth Chinese, I believe. Yes, that's correct. So there are four sort of main racial groups in Malaysia, the ethnic Indians, the ethnic Chinese, the Malays and the indigenous people. And what that means is that Lunar New Year is quite a big deal. Um, it is, it is. There'll be millions of people celebrating. You get two days off. There'll be massive traffic jams everywhere. Now, we're entering the year of the pig specifically. Why is that problematic for Malaysia? Well, not everyone in the country loves pigs. Um, in Malaysia, Islam is the religion of the federation, and large parts of the nation's Malay Muslim majority are not the biggest fans of this barnyard animal because pigs and dogs in Islam are considered unclean. So this has led to some very strange domestic practices. Um, In 1995, there was a ban on the film Babe, about the pig in the city. So that was banned uh, for about a year until it was released, I think, on television only and not in cinemas. Okay, and so Year of the Pig, which we're about to enter, how is that playing out in Malaysia? It's quite interesting because for every Lunar New Year celebrations, shopping malls and brands like to release release decorations or themed items or products that tie into the zodiac animal that's being represented that year. But because it's the year of the pig, a lot of shopping malls are being very cautious and they're not putting up pig-themed decorations, or if they are, they're doing it very, very delicately. Um, So I did a quick survey of some of the shopping malls in Malaysia and they're doing things like clan representation for, you know, Hakka, Hokkien, Teochew, that sort of thing, the main clans in Malaysia. They're doing a Doraemon spread in one of these malls. Doraemon, the Japanese cartoon cat, character. Cat cartoon thing, yes. Um, another mall has put up, you know, firecrackers and lanterns and a dragon dance sort of thing. Lego Malaysia did something quite interesting. So they got a life-size exhibit of one of their dragon dance toys. And what they've done is they've made the pig character look less pig-like by removing the snout. That seems like quite a part. Quite an important part of the pig. Yes, correct. Without the snout, it's sort of just a wombat. (laughs) I mean, is anyone enforcing this porcine proscription? Well, that's actually interesting because this year the government has said outright that there are no restrictions because an image of a pig cannot be forbidden. It cannot be considered haram. And people, I feel, think it's acceptable because it's part of the celebration. At least this seems to be the sentiment with young, educated urbanites. I feel, however these larger brands are self-censoring out of respect for cultural sensitivities because things can be blown out of proportion very, very easily 
There was recently a case with an in-flight magazine for the national carrier that had a picture of um, a steak. And for some reason, someone online thought it was pork and started complaining about it on social media. And the whole thing went viral. And the in-flight magazine actually had to apologize, even though it wasn't pork. Wow. Yes. And so these sensitivities, are they against the backdrop of perhaps more serious ethnic situations in Malaysia? Absolutely. Although this is not a serious example of fault lines in Malaysia, the country does have some issues balancing sort of the different values in its multi-ethnic population. So there have been instances of intersectarian violence in the past. And there was a recent U-turn on the signing of a UN treaty which would eliminate racial discrimination. And the government said they would do it and they decided then they wouldn't. And it was all because of racial sort of race-based lobbying. And these all underscore the fact that despite generally getting along, there are still issues that need to be addressed. Okay, and so there are 12 animals on the Chinese zodiac. Do any of the others lead to this kind of cultural flare-up? Well, last year was the year of the dog, which is potentially a more political animal than the pig as far as right-wing sentiment is concerned. Um, In 2018, a grocery store released a t-shirt with 12, you know, zodiac animals, but two were missing. And, uh, let, me, let me guess, it was the pig and the dog. Right? Very good, very good. Thanks. Um, and in 2017, which was not the year of the dog, but in the lead up, the federal religious authorities actually publicly denounced a Muslim woman for adopting a rescue animal, a, a, a dog, which she posted on her Facebook. It went viral again. And they actually released a statement criticizing her. In 2016, the same authorities demanded that um, hot dogs be renamed to avoid confusion. So this popular fast food chain had to rename its Coney dog into a chicken Coney. And then another fast food chain had to rename the pretzel dog into, I think, the pretzel sausage, just so that it wouldn't confuse people, which is, of course, ridiculous. Okay, so it's Friday here in Hong Kong, but you're flying back to Malaysia over the weekend. How is the Lunar New Year going to be for you? Well, I'll be staying in the capital city, which actually gets quite quiet on the day itself because everyone's gone back to their hometowns to visit with their family. So I'm just going to be having a quiet New Year at home, enjoying the clear roads and the empty malls. That sounds like a lovely time to be in Kuala Lumpur. So you've written about all of this for the South China Morning Post. It sounds like it's got an excellent headline. Can you tell our listeners how they can find this story if they want to read more about Malaysian malls and the pitfalls of poor sign pretensions? You definitely can look it up on the website. The headline is actually Fear of the Pig. I'm very proud of that headline. very good. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so please do go look it up. It's a sort of a cute roundup of different malls and brands and what they've done to sort of usher in the year of the pig without being too overt about it being a pig. And what if the listeners like that so much they want to follow you on Twitter? My handle is at Tashni, T-A-S-H-N-Y. Give me a follow. I'll probably follow back. Sounds good. Okay, so after two in a row, after the year of the dog and the year in the pig, we're not due for another controversial zodiac year until... 2029, so I'll see you then to talk about it. I'll see you then. Okay, so now I'm joined by Bonnie Ao and Mantai Chow from the SCMP's video team. Of course, out there in Hong Kong, Taiwan, mainland China, finding pig-related and Lunar New Year-related videos. Bonnie, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, sure. What has been your favorite video that we've made over the pig-related Lunar New Year season? Um, I think it has to be this story about this Chinese delicacy. Um, it's about this 
Jinhua breed pigs that it has always been a very popular type of pork in China. And then, however, it's losing its competition to these foreign um, breeds. Why? Because I think nowadays people tend to be more um, health conscious and these Jinhua breed have more fat, as most Chinese people are aware of that. And so now they kind of opt for the um, foreign pigs. And so what kind of effect is this having on the people who make these pigs, who rear them? They will probably be facing a lot more um, difficulty trying to maintain their living because now that people prefer these foreign brands and so these Chinese farmers might be losing out on the competition. Okay, so whereabouts in China is this? Um, so are you talking about the Jinhua pig breed? Yeah, where, where does it live? So it actually says that in the name is actually from Jinhua City, which is in Zhejiang, and is actually an endangered pig breed. And it's now on national protection list of livestock and poultry gen- genetic resources. Okay, and so what else has been coming across your desk? I believe there was something else, which is the culinary link. Yeah, so our team, we found another story, which is based in Taiwan. And there's this um, Taiwanese artist who crafted three little piglets on just a grain of rice. One average sized grain of rice. Yeah, yes. So each little pig on that grain of rice is only about a millimeter big. Wow. why, Why has he done this? Um, I guess he has he has been doing this for many many years, so that's more of his um, something that he's passionate about, and um, and if you look at the video, he actually because um, he's quite an old man now, and he actually uses these special magnifying glasses that he looks through, and then he has special tools to um, uh, kind of craft on that tiny grain of rice. And then does he cook it? Uh, of course not. Of course, it's for display. It's for display. They actually have it on, uh, they secure it on something, a uh, support, and then they protect it in a, probably like a glass or plastic case. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and before we go, Bonnie, is it true that we spoke to a fortune teller? Yes, indeed. So our team actually went to uh, Wong Tai Sin Temple and we actually interviewed a fortune teller there. And so we asked him about the fortune of Hong Kong and actually the rest of the world this year, in the year of the pig. Is it good? Yeah. I mean, I don't want any, sp- I don't want any spoilers here, but well, you know. I'm going to say check out the video. <laughs> <laughs> who is this guy? Well, he's this um, fortune teller wh- who works in Wong Tai Sin and he uh, gives uh, fortune uh predictions to his customers and people actually go there it's a it's a kind of a common practice that people go every year to check out their fortune for the coming year so yeah there you go some kind of tradition in hong kong and maybe in china too <laughs> so james actually i got a, just a very short teaser of what he sounds like let's roll it Hong Kong's fortunes for the upcoming year of the pig appear to be more stable and looking better. Why is that? In the year of the pig, only four of the 12 zodiac animals will clash with the gods. These are the snake, pig, tiger, and monkey. In addition, the tiger is expected to be partially getting along, as well as clashing with the gods. That means it doesn't really bring bad fortune. So there will be only three and a half zodiac animals in conflict with the gods. 
Overall, the Lunar New Year starting in 2019 will be relatively more stable than 2018. Okay, from the relatively obscure to the very well-known Hong Kong's famous Lunar New Year fireworks. Mantai, you've been covering this kind of thing. If there's one night of the year that you don't want to mess up video journalism, it is this colossal spectacle that people watch all over the world. Tell me about this year's show. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's a must-do story for journalists, right, in the, in the city. And um, um, every Lunar New Year in Hong Kong, the city you know, puts up, puts on a 23-minute um, spectacular, you know, fireworks extravaganza, right? And uh, this year definitely is no exception. Um, I think the year of the pig, um, from what I learned, you'll see, you know, some fireworks that resemble pig noses. Snouts? You know? Yeah, snouts. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, it's kind of cute, right? But it really depends on the weather, right? How so? Well, think about it. If it's like a little windy, cloudy, you know, over even overcast, you might you might see something that okay, okay, that makes sense. That looks like pink snouts, but not really, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I expected. Um, but we'll we'll see. But um, definitely for our team, well, we're doing it a little bit differently. Um, this year we covered, you know, we definitely covered the fireworks before, but for this year, for this time around, we want to give our audience, you know, a behind the scenes look and kind of reveal the secrets of the magical fireworks this time. And what are the secrets? So who, who organizes this? We actually interviewed a guy who is, you know, literally the, the mastermind of the show. Um, um, his name is Wilson Mao, um, and he's been, he has been doing this, how do you call it, technical engineer? Uh, there's so many ways that you can call it. You can say uh, fireworks, um, the project manager or whatever, but he's the guy who designed and oversees the whole thing, the whole project. And so he's been doing this, um, for 22 years. The and, same Hong Kong fireworks display. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, we basically he he is in charge of every major firework. I think since nineteen ninety six, so he's the guy. He's the legend. He's the he's the man that. Yeah, and I remember last year's fireworks display was cancelled because there was a very sad and very big bus accident, and he's going to be coming back this year. What did you learn from him? What are his secrets? Well, we actually followed him back to Hunan, where his factory is. And um, basically, we got some pretty nice footage um, of him testing the fireworks for this year. Pretty amazing. You know, a preview of the show. Can you describe the scene to me? I'm not going to give away everything. You're going to watch the video. Come <laughs> but on. But these things cost millions and millions of Hong Kong dollars. Right. How does one test something like this? Well, basically just, you know, a little bit little bit of everything. You know, that's how he, you know, tests the fireworks. And uh, remember, there are two, I think 20, more than 23,000 shells. So 23,000 individual explosives. Yeah, shells will be used for this fireworks he's not gonna test everything right mm. but he's gonna test the basics of you know the show obviously 
I'm not gonna give out everything. Give <laughs> give away everything. Can you give me a teaser? A teaser? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's gonna be great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But um, I think the the best part of it that is only the first half of the the the, the story. The second half of the story is actually we bring you back in Hong Kong, and we're gonna show you the actual fireworks display, and see you know whether this guy Wilson Mao, you know the the the, um, the 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 work that he put in, you know, pays off, and, and whether the snouts actually look like snouts. Exactly. So that would be two parts of the video. You know, first part we're gonna show you, you know, where. His factory is, and you know he he's doing rehear you know rehearse you know rehearsal for the fireworks, and the second half would be the actual fireworks uh, display. That would be pretty fascinating. This sounds see. great. When is that video going to drop? Um, definitely the same day, right after, hopefully right after the the show. So pigs might fly then. Uh, yes, hopefully. <laughs> Okay, so all of these all of these videos that we've been talking about, you can watch them on scmp.com. I'm sure you'll see them landing in your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, whatever other feed you have. Guys, Bonnie, Mantai, thank you very much for joining us. Have a very good few days and a very prosperous new year. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah.